Alright, welcome to episode number 37 of the Art of Med School, where we help creative minds understand medicine. Today we are going to be talking about anxiety part two, how to help the absent dad feel more involved in the pregnancy, and neoplasms part two. So last week we talked about something that's kind of a pet peeve of mine with the the psychology and psychiatry and everything and the word anxiety and about how we water down mental health so much, uh, even just by using words that mean something so important as that uh, without really understanding what it actually means. So just to remind ourselves, uh, anxiety is excessive fear or worry with physical manifestations of anxiety uh, with... uh, Sorry, let me repeat that. Excessive fear or worry with physical manifestations of anxiety, which occurs secondary to a source, which is insufficient to account for the severity of the symptoms. So it's got to have a source that is not on the same level as the reaction, and also the reaction must interrupt daily functioning. So this time, I want to go over just a few different kinds of anxiety. We have generalized anxiety disorder, adjustment disorder, phobia, and panic disorder. So generalized anxiety disorder actually has symptoms longer than six months. And what's difficult with this one is it's actually not related to a specific person or situation. That doesn't mean that there's not a trigger or something like that. It could be kind of a thought or a concept or or even a feeling that triggers it, but it's not a specific person or situation. So it's not that, you know patient's dad is coming around and their dad used to abuse them and so that's why or it's not they're supposed to get up on stage and that concept of being up on stage gives them anxiety uh but it's it it, so it's not related it's general and um it has to be symptoms longer than six months so what are some symptoms obviously difficulty concentrating all the stuff that we think of with anxiety but also poor sleep uh, GI problems can also be a problem. Um, so the second one is adjustment disorder. And I think this one is really interesting. Uh, it's emotional symptoms that cause disruption, obviously, but it has to happen within three months of a stressful life event and it usually lasts around six months. So usually lasts six months or less. I kind of think that I might have had this because uh, I, uh, no, I shouldn't say that because I, I, I had some anxiety. I don't, I don't want to, you know, so self, um, self-diagnose inappropriately or anything like that. But the, the thing that it makes come to mind is when my grandparents died because both of my grandparents, who I was very close to, died within uh, six months of each other. And that was a really tough year for obvious, you know, normal emotional uh, reasons. Um, but, like, that would be the kind of stressful life event that I can I can see leading to adjustment disorder. Um and I had I had difficulty concentrating, poor sleep. I don't think it would, my reaction was necessarily on a different level than than that stress of that life event. And terrible story. Like I think it was three weeks after my grandpa died, uh, my my dog died too. Like what a 
terrible year. And both of those grandparents were on my mom's side, so it was even worse for her. I felt terrible for her. So it usually lasts less than six months, and mine, mine was definitely less than six months. Again, I don't think it's actually anxiety, but for example, uh, if it goes on longer than that, we do call it chronic adjustment disorder. Uh, the, the third one, I think we all know, phobia arachnophobia, agoraphobia, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a very specific trigger. But again, what's really important about this is the reaction to it is not on the same level. So I'm afraid of heights, but I have a healthy afraid of heights. It's not like I shut down. I don't freak out. I just know when something is not making me feel safe, I probably shouldn't be doing it, which is not not a common thing that I do very well. Uh, I'm knowing when something's not safe and, I, and like having the mindset to step back. I don't know. Anyway, uh, panic disorder is the last one. Uh, panic disorder, those are the panic attacks. So the thing is you have a panic attack, you know, that, that big um, emotional response and you get all like short of breath and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but it's followed by one month or more of any one of these. So it's just a single panic attack followed by a month or more of continual concern about having another attack or and or worrying about consequences of panic attacks and or changing behavior designed to avoid panic attacks. So now what I don't get about this is a panic attack they're, they're they're terrible if you've ever seen one, and and there's no really nothing you can do for it except try and like calm them down a little bit. But it's it's a pathologic issue, so you can't exactly calm them down. If I had one of those, I would probably spend a month worrying about having one again because I sure don't want to have one. And these panic attacks are quick onset. They peak within 10 minutes. You have apprehension and fear. You uh, have palpitations. You're trembling. You're sweating. You can get abdominal pain, hyperventilation, all those things. So for panic disorder, you have a month or more of being worried about having them again or changing behavior designed to avoid them or worry about the consequences of them. I don't know. I just see that as making sense, though. The thing that is, I think, really interesting is panic disorder can actually lead to agoraphobia, so fear of being outside. And it's essentially you're afraid to go outside because you're afraid you're going to have a panic attack and what might come out of that. So these are a few examples of anxiety disorders. I hope that uh, that gave you kind of a new glimpse into what mental health is. I know learning about mental health is definitely helping me learn about how to deal with people better. Make sure you check us out on artofmedschool.com. We have a ton of more information, blog posts, any of our past episodes that you might have missed, as well as some really fun underwater photography that Mike has been working on. There's some cute photos of fish. So check us out on artofmedschool.com. All right. So uh, today I'm going to be talking about ways that I try really hard to help Micah feel involved in in being a new dad. Like it's I it's I, I can't imagine how difficult it must be for him um, being so far away and knowing that this big life event is happening, uh, but not being able to be 
taking an active part in it. Um, you know, and I, you know, and, and veteran mom friends of mine are like, oh, the dads always feel like they're not very involved anyway and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you know, you want, you want, you know, you want them to, to feel super active as much as possible, you know, um, at least, at least, and I know that he has the desire to. And so I'm trying to figure out, uh, ways to help him feel, uh, as connected as possible, right? Because he's going to be absent for so much of it. And so I want, I want him to, to be a part, right? I I don't think that's weird. I don't, I don't know why I'm justifying myself so much. Um, so, uh, and I think I've mentioned this earlier, but, uh, I invite him to any, uh, ultrasound appointments. Um, you know, I, he can come to any appointment he wants, but those ones are kind of the most exciting majority of the appointments. They like, measure your fundal height and tell you you're doing great at least for me because i've been super super fortunate um so uh yeah so inviting him to as many appointments as he uh wants to be involved in um and being able to skype him in they generally don't have a problem with that so that's nice um recently this week so i'm i'm starting to get i'm starting to get real real pregnant right now um and something new that's happening is when the baby is kicking you can sometimes see it from the outside uh that you can see bumps on my skin happening uh and so but it's kind of difficult to predict when it's going to happen so but i was able to catch a short video of of the baby kicking from the outside that you could see. So I was able to catch that on video and send that to him. And he was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. So that was really cool. Um, from week 14, you really couldn't see much of week 14, but from week 14 on, um, I did take weekly, I have been taking weekly progression photos, um, every Friday and sometimes Saturday, if I forget on Friday. Uh, and, um, just so he can see how my body's changing. I take them in profile all in black. And so it's kind of the same setup every week. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, I have let him also, uh, be a part in choosing items for the baby registry. Uh, his items are very creative and maybe not always the most practical, so, uh, but they're fun. They're fun items. Um, uh, but you know, I'm registering for things like baby shampoo and he's registering things like sippy cups that look like red solo cups. So, um, but you know, that's cool. And I think that sometimes that people want to purchase Justice League onesies. Um, but I'm also trying to hopefully get people to purchase, uh, you know, maybe like uh, the cloth diapers that I want to get. Um, so anyway, uh, but, but so that, that also makes, you know, is, is a good way that he can, that he can add things onto the registry from far away, which is pretty cool that that is even a possibility that you don't, you know, can imagine like five, eight years ago that that wasn't even something that you could do. You had to physically walk into Target or Babies R Us or whatever to physically register for things or just hope that people got you cool stuff. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, and 
this one was kind of for me, not for him, but it probably made him feel super involved because they made him happen. Um, that uh, the the most recent uh, OB appointment I had, they were trying to listen to the baby's heart rate, and he was moving around a lot, and they couldn't quite get um, a good reading, and it kind of gave the reading as being a, a false low reading. Um, and so they sent me into this other room, and I was all alone, and they hooked me up to a fetal monitor, and I was like, I don't really know what's going on. And uh, so it was, and it just so happened that he was not in class, and so he was able to kind of, I was able to call him and he on my phone, and he was able to kind of talk me down a little bit, which was nice. And I'm certain made him feel super involved. Um, so yeah, that is different ways that I've gone about helping the, uh, the dad feel more involved. We launched our Patreon account. Please go check it out. You can find a link on our website or just look up Art of Med School on Patreon.com. This is a great way to support us as we work hard to make the most and best content possible. You can find more information on our homepage at ArtofMedSchool.com. And every little bit helps. Thanks. All right, so last week we were talking about neoplasms before we got rained out, so let's pick up on that. So just a quick reminder, uh, neoplasm is cancer, and, you know, we've talked about kind of a general overview, but it has to lose apoptosis, which was a programmed cell death, a cell senescence, which is the pre-program stopping point for dividing, uh, and it must lose its growth inhibition. So there are a few really interesting things that neoplasms do uh, or, or loose, or I guess don't do that. The rest of our cells do that that allow it to um, have this unrestricted growth. So one of them is it loses contact inhibition. So for the most part, cells are arranged pretty orderly all over your body. You know, our our blood vessels and basically any kind of vessel, or we say lumen, any any tube that has a space in the middle, which is basically everything, uh, it's lined with epithelial tissue, which we've talked about epithelial tissue. But it's it's this nice orderly row of cells right around. And the way that, or the reason that happens is because they have contact inhibition. Once they touch another cell, it tells them, all right, we're full, we're in order, let's stop growing. Obviously, cancer cells do not have that. So uh, contact inhibition, when they touch, tells them not to grow. Uh, let's see, oh, and this prevents them from trying to, sh- I've lost my spot in the script, sorry. They prevent them from trying to shove a bunch of cells into one area. So neoplasms, they lose this, so they will grow even when they touch each other. And that, that r- leads to this random growth. When you look at a, a slide of cancer cells, they are just haphazardly strewn about all over, and, and that's because of their loss of contact inhibition. I, oh, who was it? I think it was Dr. Barone, uh, who, who is one of the instructors. He's a doctor from L.A. And he's one of the instructors for, for Kaplan. Described it as a drunk guy at a bar that 
it, it, when you go to a bar, some drunk guy will come up to you and like pretend like you're all such good friends and everything, and they'll give you throw his arm around you, and, and that's contact inhibition being lost. That's a pretty good way to think about it. That as soon as they touch each other, they still they, they have no sense of, of personal space, and that's so that's part of what leads to that that kind of the random growth. The other thing is they have they express cell surface proteases. So proteases are enzymes on the surface of the cell, and these enzymes and lots of lots of cells have this kind of thing. Uh, well, they, lots of cells, all cells express a protease. Is what I'm trying to say that they express enzymes on the on their surface on their um, cell membrane. Uh, but in cancer, these proteases let them break down tissue, such as the basement membrane. Uh, so if you remember, when epithelial tissue has, like, the, the skin, your skin cells it would be epithelial, they're nice and lined up, nice and orderly, because they have contact inhibition, but they're lined up on a basement membrane, which is sort of a connective tissue that tells them, hey, this is the bottom. We don't need to go below here. We got other stuff going on, like connective tissue down there. We just we're just going to hang out here. Cancer cells can break down that basement membrane, and that's actually really important because when they break that down, it allows them to invade the next door neighbor, that tissue that's underneath, that tissue that's next door. It allows them to cross that boundary, and that's a big part of how cancer can spread. Last thing I want to mention, because and I just just learned about this, so I don't have even notes on this. This is me just being excited about cancer. Cancer is so interesting. Like, it's a terrible, terrible thing. I hope nobody ever gets it. We're all going to get it. But it is really interesting to learn about. Cancer also has an increase in pumps, on their on this, and this is certain cancers, but have an increase. Uh, so we've talked about sodium, um, sodium, uh, potassium pumps, and how they will pump sodium in and out and potassium in and out. There's also chloride ion channels. Like we have cells have pumps to move things in and out of the cell. Well, ca- certain cancer cells actually have an increase in the number and types of pumps they have, and so once the drugs get in, it will actively pump them back out almost like bailing a boat out in a way, you know? And that is such a wild idea to me that we are making drugs designed to kill these cancer cells and cancer is going, nope, kicking that out. So that's a few of the properties of neoplasms and and how cancer kind of does what it does. Hope you enjoyed that and uh, thanks for letting me split that one up because it, it did end up raining pretty good last time. There you have it. That is episode number 37 of The Art of Med School, where we help creative minds understand medicine. Today we talked about anxiety part two, different ways to help the absent dad feel more involved, and neoplasms part two. Our theme music, Urbanimatronica Wuya Mix by Spinning Mercata, is copyright 2011, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. This show is not affiliated or endorsed in any way by St. James School of Medicine. Micah just goes there. The Art of Med School podcast is part of the Art of Med School network. For more information, find us on the web at artofmedschool.com.